one. The Line of Fire with Dr. Michael Brown. Two minutes from Mark. Two minutes. Station is coming up on 90 seconds until the launch of hour number one of the Line of Fire with Dr. Michael Brown, Salem Radio Network's channel SR2. 90 seconds from Mark. 90 seconds. Stations is now one minute before the start of hour number one of the line of fire with Dr. Michael Brown. One minute from Mark. One minute. stations now the final time check before the start of hour number one of the line of fire with dr michael brown 30 seconds until hour number one from mark that was our final verbal time check for the line of fire with dr michael brown we'll have a long tone at 10 seconds before followed by a short one at five seconds have a great afternoon everybody Let's do it. Phone lines are wide open. You've got questions. We've got answers. It's time for The Line of Fire with your host, biblical scholar and cultural commentator, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice for moral sanity and spiritual clarity. Call 866-34-TRUTH to get on The Line of Fire. And now, here's your host, Dr. Michael Brown. I have been looking forward to this moment. Here we are. You've got questions, we've got answers. Any question on any topic that relates in any way to anything I write about, talk about, anything we've ever discussed on the air, you name it. Give us a call, 866-34-TRUTH, 866-348-7884. That is the number to call, and we go straight to the phones. We will start with Jose in Mexico City. Thank you for calling. Yes, uh, thank you for taking my call, uh, Dr. Brown. Uh, my question is uh, regarding uh, your position uh, with regarding the pre-wrap or post-trip uh, positions. Mm -hmm. Which one do you lean on? And if you could do like a future show uh, talking more about the, the timing of the rapture. Thank you. Yes, sir. Thank you. So I've, I've um, done shows at length on my view that there is not a pre-trib rapture, that at the end of this age, Jesus returns in glory. He appears for the world to see we are caught up to meet him and descend together with him. So if there is a specific seven-year tribulation, then it would be post-trib. So I've done whole shows on that. I've written a whole book together with Professor Craig Keener called Not Afraid of the Antichrist, 
why we don't believe in a pre-tribulation rapture. Again, Craig Keeter and I wrote that, not afraid of the Antichrist, why we don't believe in a pre-tribulation rapture. That being said, I have not gotten in-depth, sir, about differences between pre-wrath and post-trib, because they're fairly close. And I have not extensively investigated pre-wrath as much as I thoroughly investigated pre-trib, because I held to that for years. That, that's what I got saved into. But my reason, my, my most fundamental reason for rejecting the, the pre-wrath idea is, and, and I, I imagine pre-wrath folks would have an answer. So maybe, maybe that I can do, Jose, is bring on a pre-wrath colleague and we can discuss our differences and do a whole show. I did one years back, but I'd gladly do another one on that to, to speak further. But as I understand it, there is one second coming, right? There's not uh, two phases to it where Jesus comes uh, raptures us out secretly, and then s seven years later, pre-trib, or three and a half years later, mid-trib, we, we return with him. That would be a second and a third coming. Rather, there is one second coming, and at the end of the outpouring of wrath and judgment, during which God protects us, the end of, of, of Isaiah 26, God says to his people, hide in the inner chamber until my wrath passes by. And just as he protected the children of Israel while he poured out his judgments on Egypt, I believe he will protect his people from his wrath during final time of tribulation. Then Jesus appears. It's only one second coming. He appears for the whole world to see. We are caught up to meet him in the air. First Thessalonians 4 that says we'll meet him in the air. The Greek word used there is commonly used for greeting someone on their arrival and then you escort them back. So say... A, a Roman official or major leader was coming into the city, the crowds would go out to meet him there and then escort him back. So that's what happens with us and the Messiah. So my own view and understanding is post-trib. If you'll just search our, our website, askdrbrown.org for pre-trib or for rapture, you'll see the shows we've done on that or search our YouTube channel, Ask Dr. Brown on YouTube. So hopefully that has helped you. All right, sir? Yes, uh, thank you, and blessings from Mexico City. Much appreciated, much appreciated. You know, when I teach at Christ for the Nations in Dallas three days a month during the school year, there are a lot of Spanish-speaking students and, and quite a few from Mexico. So I, uh, I'm interacting with my Mexican friends a whole lot more uh, these days than I have in, in years, which has just been wonderful. All right, 866-348-7884. Let's go to Joshua in Branson, Missouri. Welcome to the Line of Fire. Hey, Dr. Brown. Thanks for taking my call. You're very welcome. Yeah, so I just had a question um, on kind of the varied sanctification we see throughout the body of Christ, um, in particular um, being involved in the recovery ministry. Mm -hmm. um, so I been working with uh, Teen Challenge for several years and just recently um, accepted a chaplain position at a recovery ministry. And it just kind of amazes me just the varied experiences um, that I've seen um, throughout my time. So we'll have, of course, students and residences that will get the gospel. They'll be transformed um, immediately. And then it seems like there's other cases where they hear the gospel and you'll know, notice gradual change over time, um, but there seems to be these constant cycles. Well, 
they'll fall back um, into that same addiction, though they may not be fully living in it um, 100% of the time. It seems to be this constant cycle that they can't seem to break. And I've, you know, I've known drug addicts and, and alcoholics that have, have supposedly come to Christ, but, you know, they've, they've died, um, you know, even gone to their graves still struggling with that. And I guess yep. that's something that I, I have a hard time relating to because when I got saved, it was pretty radical. I was addicted to pornography for several years and, uh, you know, I never really went back to that addiction. I know that you can relate with that based on your personal testimony. So I'm just curious as to why you think that that is, um, you know, because yeah. I can I guess come to a place in my heart where I, I wonder, okay, did this person truly even experience, you know, a, a born-again um, experience with the Holy Spirit? But, you know, then when I lay out my heart, of course, I, I know how sinful yeah. I am. So why why do you see that to be the case so often. Yeah, I appreciate the practical question. So first, let me get theological and then experiential and practical. Theologically, we understand sanctification is past, present, and future. So the moment that we're saved, God sets us apart as holy. We now belong to him. And if you were lost one day and saved the next, and Paul was writing a letter to you, you would be among the saints that he was writing to. And saints in, in Greek is, is holy ones called to be holy. So the moment we're saved, we're set apart as holy. Then there is the ongoing process of growing in holiness, like Second uh, Corinthians 7, 1, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. We grow in holiness, and then there's the final sanctification in our resurrected bodies where we'll never sin Again, so we understand that theologically, right? The question is what you <laughs> laid out. So it's, you always have to be very careful to not add condemnation and judgment to those struggling, as you understand. These are questions you're wrestling with internally trying to figure out. And Leonard Ravenhill once said to me that sanctification, to paraphrase his words, is crisis. So you have a crisis where you have to break through and you have a radical change then growth, 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 growth. Then maybe another crisis, you have to break through and have a radical change. Uh, but the question is, as you said, why is it that some seem to struggle until the day they die? And some even seem to fall back. They, they just seem weak. In other words, they, it's not like I'm going to sin against God and do whatever I want to do. It's like, no, I, man, I messed up. I need help. And then they, they fall back. So here's what I could say, again, with generalizations recognizing that human beings are different. Some people change more easily. Some people have personalities uh, and, and upbringings where, where they're more disciplined, etc. But I would look first at how the person was born again. Were they really genuinely saved? Did they come under conviction of sin? Did they really cry out to God to forgive them? Many times we preach a superficial gospel in America that produces false converts. If it doesn't produce false converts, it produces shallow converts. So that's the first thing I look at. Were you really born again or, or how deeply were you? Yeah, I understand born again is born again. In other words, one day you were lost, the next day you're not lost. But how deeply did you understand what that meant? How deeply did you come to the cross recognizing your guilt and your need for a savior? How deeply was God working in you? Or did you just try to add Jesus in to have a better life? Or maybe you were struggling in your marriage and need a little help and 
or maybe you're attracted to him religiously. So I would start there. And then the second thing is, so if it turns out there wasn't deep salvation experience, let's go back to the basics. Let's understand our sin. Let's understand our helplessness. Let's understand our guilt before God. Let's understand the power of the blood. Let's understand why Jesus came and died. Then, wherever the person is, it's a matter of real serious discipleship. Now, of course, in a teen challenge setting, they're getting intensive discipleship day and night, and then many go out, the highest success rate among drug-related programs uh, compared to the, the world system. Many go out, most go out and do well, but some don't, some fall back. I would generally say that the reason that that happens is because they leave some kind of door open or they think that it's okay to play with sin. Nancy and I were just chatting earlier today, my wife and I, about lifestyle change, diet change, because I've been talking about that a lot on the radio. And, and Joshua, when God radically dealt with me and helped me to change my lifestyle over eight and a half years ago, I realized that he was saving my life and preserving my life and extending the quality of my life. And I couldn't mess with it. I couldn't play with it. I, I dread the thought of like what would happen if I deviated. I, I can't imagine going back to the way I lived before. So I would say that many times, and let me try to get this in because we've we got a break coming up, but I would probe deeper to see if there are unsurrendered areas of life. I would probe deeper to see have they really reckoned with the fact that they're dead to sin. You can't go back. You can't do this again. Jesus saved you from this. Your body's not your own. You've been bought with a price, 1 Corinthians 6.20. Therefore, flee sexual immorality or flee whatever it is that bound you, drugs in my case before I was saved, and yield yourself up to God. And then don't play with it. Just because God set you free doesn't mean, oh, now let's see how close I can get to the fire without getting burned. No, stay far away from the fire. If you do that, and then you realize, okay, in myself I'm weak, but God's strength is made perfect in my weakness. You really see God's grace carry you through. And nobody has to fall back. Those are some of the things I'd emphasize. And then always grace, grace, God's empowerment in it. It's not just your strength. It's God's strength working through. Hopefully some of that is helpful to you, Joshua. I appreciate the call. Thanks. The Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Get on the Line of Fire by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Thanks, friends, for joining us. I'm going right back to the phone lines in one moment. And then I've, I've got, tell you at the bottom of the hour, an exciting announcement to share with you and uh, a, a real neat, kind of amazing testimony I heard from my friend James Robinson. But... I mentioned yesterday I was going to give you some debate updates. I failed to do it over the course of the show. So Monday, March 20th in London, all my friends in the London area, Monday, March 20th, I'm scheduled to debate Muslim apologist Sakir Hussein on the t subject, Is Muhammad Prophesied in the Bible? 
Oh, yeah. Very much looking forward to that. Uh, it should be in a university in London or possibly at a mosque. And we plan to stream online. In any case, stay tuned for more details, those that are in the London area. Then later that week, I believe it's going to be that Thursday, so uh, when I'm back home, later that week, I'm scheduled to debate the leader of the Sakari Black Hebrew Israelites on the subject of Ashkenazi Jews or the 12 tribe chart. If you've never seen it, it is absolutely bizarre. The 12 tribe chart, who are the real Jews? Oh, yeah. So we've got those and hopefully a major Jewish debate in the Cleveland area in June. That's just in its infancy stages of talking about that. But hopefully that is going to happen as well. Uh, let's go over to Barbara in New York City. Welcome to the line of fire. Thank you, Dr. Brown. Um, I hope I don't start crying um, about abortion. I totally disagree with you. My cousin this was right before Roe versus Wade. She um, got pregnant, and uh, she was afraid of childbirth, and the whole thing scared her. And so she hanged herself, and I found her. If uh, Roe versus Wade had been legal at that point, she'd still be here. And um, uh, Barbara, can I, think, can I just ask you something, Barbara? That, what? That's, that's a, a terrible loss, and I... I've never lost a loved one like that, so I, I can't put myself in your shoes. But can I ask you a question? Sure. If she was so afraid of childbirth, why did she get pregnant? Well, she's 14 years old. She Obviously, she had sex, so that's how she got pregnant. Right, But right. abortion shouldn't be against the law. All right, but Barbara, was there a, a living human being? It, you suffered an unspeakable loss, a horrific loss, and I can't minimize that. But what about the loss of the baby in the womb? Is, isn't that serious, too? That's not a baby. That's a fetus. In Judaism, um, abortion is allowed if it would cause physical or psychological harm to the woman, and nobody should be forced. I've had a child. I would never do it again. The pain is excruciating. Nobody should be forced to go through that against their will. I almost died. I uh, mean, I love right, my so son, but I would never, you know never much? go through that again. All right. Well, there, there are ways, of course, to have pain-reduced labor. We, we understand that, and many women choose those ways. But, Barbara, just to understand this, as far as Judaism, uh, Orthodox Jews oppose oppose abortion. That's Orthodox Jews, not other forms of Judaism. Right, right. But Orthodox Jews are the ones who hold to Jewish tradition. The others hold to modernized views. But ju just to press on this one point, Barbara, okay? Um, uh -huh. If someone is going to... When you were You pregnant, have a nice voice. Oh, oh th well, thank you. Thank you, Barbara. And we're talking about life and death I used to be issue. a believer, by the way. All right, let's, let's come to that in a moment, all right? That's very important. But let me just ask you one question. When... Uh -huh. When, uh, when you were pregnant and you started to feel the baby kicking in, in the womb, did you uh -huh. say, oh, the fetus is kicking or the baby is kicking? What does that have to do with anything? Because you recognize it's a baby. When you want to keep it, you recognize it's a baby. If you the want to get rid of it, you call it a fetus. that somebody can have an abortion. Right, right. Poor but, women don't have access to health care. Right, um, but there, there are many women supports. Are gonna die. 
Right, but Barbara, there are many support systems. You know, women still die in abortion. And you know how many women grieve over their whole lives? They fight depression and suicide because they had abortions? That's nobody's business. That's between a woman and her doctor. That's nobody's business. Well, I'm just telling you, abortion not only kills babies in the womb, it destroys the lives of many women. Shouldn't we tell the truth about that? I had an abortion. Didn't I was glad I had it. Well, that's you. But that's your life. First, there's a baby that could have come into the world that didn't, that you chose to, to, you chose to deal with a life that was not your own. Because if you didn't That's have the abortion, there would be a I agree with that. I'm sorry. Well, well Barbara, The government, nobody should force somebody to go through an abortion against, I mean, childbirth against their will. Well, then they shouldn't get pregnant. And if it's rape, there are people who are very That's happy to adopt business. those babies. That's not the government's business. That's not a religious leader's business. There's nobody's business. Well, I'll tell you what. See, Let's just say, hang I on, Barbara, Barbara. Barbara, let me just ask you this. Let me just ask you this. Let's just say... The mother has the baby and realizes, I can't take this. I'm losing my mind. The baby's a day old. Is it okay if she kills it? That's not the same thing. Well, why isn't it? If, if it was one minute earlier in the womb, you say it's People okay. People don't have, you know, this is your religious belief. No, and we Barbara. live in a secular, I'm not talking religious democracy. Beliefs. I'm not talking religious beliefs. I didn't say religion, did I? If she no, has the but baby, you're a Christian. The baby, so. the, but Barbara, I'm just asking you a humanitarian question. The baby, she could have aborted the baby one hour earlier, right? Say in New York, right up until the time of delivery. If, That's not true. That's not true. It's very true. Uh, if no, if you not. claim that you're going to have a psychological breakdown right up to the time of delivery through the ninth month, study the new laws. This, this, this is within the last two years. Okay. I've studied this in depth. But it would be okay to terminate the life of that baby then. But once it's born, if she goes, I can't take this, I'm going to lose my mind. I, I cannot handle a child. Why, should, why can't she kill it then? You know, you're not a medical doctor, and this decision should be between a woman and her doctor. I just asked you, I didn't ask you a medical question. I'm not a, you're I'm not, not a, a medical, medical doc doctor. Barbara, neither are you, I imagine. But it's not a, the baby is now one minute old, and the mother says, I can't handle it. I can't, I'm going to lose my mind. I can't handle being a mother. Can they kill that baby then? Would that be a compassionate thing to do? No, but the, the, the person's well, already born. But why? But why is that any different if two minutes before it was born, it could have been killed? You know, all these Christian leaders are trying to enforce their beliefs. You know, I used Barbara, to be a could believer. You please, could you please I can speak my in tongues and all of that. All right. So obviously you got something went wrong in your beliefs, but God never hurt you. You hurt yourself. That's not true. God never hurts you, Barbara. I don't believe that. Well, tell me what he did to hurt you. Um, I've been, well, for one thing, I used to go to churches, and I had a very bad nervous breakdown. This was about 12 years ago, and I literally lost my mind. And are you familiar mm. with Times Square Church? I preached there many times. Uh-huh. Well, that's a mistake. Anyway, those people told me I was a sinner, that I had demons, and they rebuked demons. They told me not to get medical help. Are you saying because that Barbara, did the pastors do this or just some people in the church? Because there are many thousands that go there. You can't get to the pastor because he's got bodyguards. No, no, but they have, they have a whole pastoral team that helps people with counseling. That place is and demonic, if anything. They told me not to go to a 
a psychiatrist, not to be on medication because that was of the devil and God would heal me. Well, God didn't heal me, and I wound up in the hospital. Um, I was put on the right medication, and I'm fine. I also had another believer tell me that Hitler should have killed all the Jews, uh, and then Bar- I had Bar- another Bar- one Barbara, tell me. But, but, but hang on. So you ran into flaky believers. They're everywhere. You have no problem calling all those people demonic, right? So you're, you're willing to throw names around. You got hurt by people. God never hurt you. You got hurt by people. Jesus died because we're all sinners. Because we no, all I'm, mess I up. I don't consider myself a sinner. Mm. That's why I'm not a Christian anymore. Well, that's that's true. In other words, if you think that you are fine and righteous, so I you think I'm a but you think I'm a sinner. Righteous. You think I'm a human being, and I have faults just like everybody well, else. That's, so that's a sinner. We all have faults. We all fall I, short. That's your Christian belief. Judaism doesn't believe that. It doesn't? Why do you have Day of no. Atonement every year? That's not the point, once, once a year. But, 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 but why, why do you have believe, Day of Atonement once a year where you confess all your sins and ask for forgiveness? It's once a year. But but it's aren't you acknowledging I'm a terrible person, I'm a bad person, I'm evil, I have demons, demons exist, there is a spirit of Jezebel and all this nonsense. Yeah, well here's, and Judaism Barbara, doesn't Judaism does teach that we're sinners that need God's help and grace and that with his help and grace we can live good lives. But How do you Jewish prove prayers, a God? But Barbara, Jewish prayers pray for forgiveness. Every single day, even reformed Judaism. It's not like Christianity. Right, yeah, it doesn't recognize how far we've fallen and our need See, for a Savior. See, that's your opinion. Well, I hey, Bar- Barbara, t- t- tell, you, tell you what, tell you what. I, when I saw, just, I, I, I wanted to jump to your call because I thought something was up. So, folks, let's pray for Barbara, that God will give her a revelation of her need for a Savior and that she would encounter his incredible love. Barbara, I want to send you a free book called Has God Failed You? I won't give your address out to anybody. We won't put you on any mailing list. I just want to send you a free book that I wrote called Has God Failed You? Oh, Barbara hung up. All right, well, let's pray. Let's pray for God to get hold of her. I think we heard enough. Let's pray that God would get hold of her and bring her back. Yes, she'll need to come under conviction of sin, but out of that will come such a revelation of the love of God. It could transform her forever. If you've been hurt, if you've been alienated from God, I recommend my book, Has God Failed You? Finding Faith When You're Not Even Sure God Is Real. Don't let getting hurt by the church keep you away from Jesus. We'll be right back. Let's pray for Barbara. The Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Get on the Line of Fire by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Thanks, friends, for joining us on the Line of Fire. Okay, I'm going to get right back to the phones momentarily. Alberto, Jim, Mickey, Sandy, we're coming your way very, very shortly. Thanks for your patience, and, and I hope you appreciate why we took time with, with Barbara. Okay, I, I just want to share this with you. So this is the last day and our thrust for, for this month of, of let's get healthy. And we started talking about healthy diet and, and changing our lifestyle. 
and then talked about spiritual health, emotional health, and things like that. And we've introduced you this week to Trivita, our new sponsor. Dr. Stangler rates the, the company A+. And what's really interesting is when Michael Ellison said, listen, maybe we can take a substantial portion of the funds that we get and pour that into Line of Fire so that you can blanket America with this broadcast. First thing he did was he sent me some samples and said, I want you to use these first. Well, I thought he was just being ethical and wanted to make sure I approved it. Well, he, he wanted me to experience for myself. And that was part of it, a big part. He wanted me to experience myself to change. So the healthy lifestyle, everything starts there, right? But wherever you are, these supplements will improve the quality of your life. And then oh, join it with healthy lifestyle, healthy eating, and you'll, you'll be amazed. So I, w I was talking to James Robinson a few days back. And he and Michael Ellison have been friends probably close to 50 years, worked together 40 plus years. And James was telling me, he said, Michael, he said, I've got arthritis from head to toe. And he's 79 years old now. He said, you, you put me for x-ray, whatever. He said, I light it up top to bottom. He said, then one of his knees is bone on bone. And then he has tennis elbow. So he started taking Nopalea. This is Nopal cactus and, and deals with inflammation issues and things like that. He said, after two months, he said, Michael, he said, my pain wasn't reduced. He said, I am pain free. It's just James we're over the phone. He's not selling me something. We're, we're talking over the phone about this. So I have been so excited to introduce this to you because I've seen just great benefits. I mean, doing my pull-ups today, I was like, whoa, doing my workouts. I've, I've just been amazed. Energy, mental clarity. So I was doing great, but I'm I'm like supercharged. I'm absolutely amazed with this. And here's, here's the key thing I wanted to share with you. I know as God gets our voice on radio across the nation, I know things are going to happen. I know it to the core of my being. I know faith is going to rise in people's hearts. I know hope is going to rise. I know they're going to get more grounded in the truth and more full of the spirit and have courage to stand. And I'm absolutely convinced that it is not too late for America and that we are even in the early stages of God beginning to pour out his spirit in different places. We could see national revival and awakening. We could see the culture shaken. And yeah, politics is important. Being involved in other things is important, but it's gonna be a healthy church that makes the difference. And I know by God's grace and with your help standing together, we can see things happen. We are seeing them. We get great testimonies all the time. Now let's multiply that a hundredfold, a thousandfold. Think of what could happen. That's, that's our role. That's my small contribution. But together, we can make a massive difference. So I want to encourage you. Keep praying for us. Keep supporting us. And as you check out Trivita for yourself, a substantial portion of every order goes to get the line of fire spread across the nation. It's boom, exactly where it goes, only there. Uh, and, and you are part of this. And there's some special offers now just through the end of this week. So go ahead and order. As soon as you listen to this, go ahead and order. Find out how you can get one month free supply. And i tell you what, let me play this last ad and then we're going right to the phones. Thanks for giving me your best year. Have you had a setback from an injury, accident, or surgery that left you feeling weaker and a loss of strength? Or are you feeling the effects of aging and just don't feel like you have the stamina or energy you used to? Then MyoHealth might be an answer to your prayers. Backed by 24 human clinical studies and over $20 million in government-funded research, 
MyoHealth contains a perfect balance of all nine essential amino acids. With MyoHealth, you can rebuild your strength, improve your balance and mobility, have more energy while restoring your health and vitality, and start building new, lean, stronger muscle in as little as 30 days. By combining MyoHealth with a healthy diet and regular exercise, you can feel stronger at any age, have more energy, and live a life with vitality. Put the power of MyoHealth to work for you. Feel stronger, have better balance, and improved quality of life. Try MyoHealth now by calling 800-811-9628 to learn how you can receive a one-month supply free. Build lean muscle, improve balance, and build stronger bones with MyoHealth. And when you call, Trivita will give a substantial portion of your order to help support the Line of Fire radio broadcast. Go to Trivita.com and use promo code BROWN40 in the shopping cart. Or call 800-811-9628. That's 800-811-9628. Hey, remember, everything's back with a money-back guarantee, and we're, we're introducing this on the air during the week this month just to, to get you to know our partner and, and to stand together so that, that we can really make an impact together and see America change, see the church come alive. And with that, provoke Israel to jealousy. It's number to call, 800-811-9628. It's 800-811-9628. Or if you go online, trivita.com, all caps use BROWN40 as the code. All right, so when you call in, find out, you get a month free supply, uh, and then you get two books also, right? and, and a shaker to mix everything for, for the drinks. So just take advantage of this, and you will be blessed in the process. And then let us know. Uh, share with us, because we're, we're excited to hear this, too, because we, we want to work together to see a healthy church and a healthy you. All right, there we go. 866-34-TRUTH, the number to call. Alberto, thanks so much for being patient. From Georgia, welcome to the line of fire. Well, good afternoon, Dr. Brown. My question is on uh, Psalms 12, yeah. uh, verse 5 through uh, 7. Well, a lot of, mostly a lot of pastors like to say that verse 6 is referring to the words of God being preserved. But if you read the whole context, referring to people being preserved, say them. So... When the song was written, God never said in the, the completed verse, I mean, the, the, the Bible was preserved, or the whole canon was preserved, or a certain version was preserved. Can you explain that more? And I got a little bit of other question I got after this one, if you don't Yeah, mind. sure, sure. So in, in Hebrew, um, it, verse 7, because versification can differ. Let me just see if it's the same in, in uh, English, Psalm 12. Um Yes, yeah, so it's, it's verse 6 in English and verse 7 in, in Hebrew. Yeah, so it is, it's clearly talking about the, the words of the Lord. Amorot Anonai, Amorot Tahorot, Kesef Tsaruf, Baalil, Aretz, Mizukak, Shivatayim. So the words of the Lord, pure words, silver purged in an earthen crucible, refined sevenfold. So it is talking about his words for sure. Now, by application... You can apply it to all of the Word of God. But yeah, you're, it, in context, it wasn't talking about the canon of Scripture. It wasn't talking about uh, future writings so much. That, that was not in the mind of the psalmist, but rather anything God has said is absolutely pure and 100% reliable and purged. So it is talking about the words of the Lord, not people. There's no ambiguity in the Hebrew. In fact, it says it twice, the words of the Lord. 
the, those words are pure, etc. So can you apply it to the canon of Scripture? Yes, because the whole Bible is God's Word, and therefore all of God's Word is pure and thoroughly tested and, and, and reliable. But in context, it wasn't a prediction about the whole Bible, rather just a statement about the words that God does speak and has spoken. So whatever came before that, the Torah or any prophetic words that were true, those would have qualified as God's words, etc. Yeah, but I heard some scholars that they say that the, the, the word uh, preserved them refers to God preserved them, the people, not the words. No, no, that's not even a possibility. Not even, no. if, I, I don't know who said, do you, do you remember who said that? It was on, the, on, on John Ankerberg's show versus the King James only, only isn't debate. No, it's not even, yeah, I, I mean, I've just, uh, the Hebrew's right in front of me. I'm just going to read it really slowly. Amorot Adonai, the words of Yahweh, Amorot Teharot, are pure words, Kesef Tsaruf Ba'alil, so silver purged in an, Ba'alil La'aretz, excuse me, silver purged in an earthen crucible, Mizukak Shivatayim, refined sevenfold. doesn't even say them. There's no reference to them. So maybe you, you maybe they're making a point that, uh, you didn't follow there. So, oh, oh uh, okay, hang on. So we're talking about the next, the next, right. Okay, right. So you, O Lord, will keep them guarding each from this age evermore. Yes, yeah, so the next verse is talking about people, right? In terms of God will, ah, got it. I, I get your point here. Sorry. Okay. So it's the, ver it's the next verse. You, O Lord, will keep them guarding each from this age evermore. Right, so them would more likely refer to the people. So this is an argument about preserving the canon, right? So the words of the Lord are pure words. That can apply to the whole Bible 100%. As to the them in the next verse, yeah, that would apply to the people who are being besieged by the wicked, and God will keep those people. Okay, now my, my next question is, you know the uh, first Peter says three, say he puts the preach the preacher with, with love, right? Like you mm -hmm. say, don't don't malign nobody. Yeah. But how do you how do you how do you how do you balance when the Bible says we shouldn't tickle people's ears? Oh yeah, so, so how do you balance that? Yeah, very very uh very easily. I can speak the truth here. I, I can say to someone you need to get right with God. You're destroying your life. You're hurting yourself. You're hurting your family. If you don't wake up and you don't repent, you're going to crash and burn and be lost forever. I could say that with tears. I could say that with grief in my heart. Hopefully when I, when I rebuke, when I speak strongly, I'm doing it with love. Maligning someone, you jerk, you idiot. Maligning someone is what we see every single day in left-wing news and right-wing news and mocking this political leader and that political leader and being nasty in our, in our posts, in our communication, and so on and so forth. So I'm not going to speak evil of anyone. You foolish idiot. What a kind of jerk are you? Who, where, who, where'd you even get the license to be born? You're, you know, just ugly stuff like that or uh, the latest meme mocking somebody. That's, that's maligning. But speaking the truth in love, Jesus says in Revelation 3.19, as many as I love, I rebuke and discipline, therefore be zealous and repent. Those are words of love. Tickling ears is, hey, everything's good. You're going to be all right. No problem whatsoever. You just keep doing what you're doing, and God will be happy. That's tickling ears. 
Hey, Alberto, thank you for your questions. And we're going to Jim, Mickey, Sandy, as promised, immediately on the other side of the break. The Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Get on the Line of Fire by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. I realize I may have just confused you talking about James Robinson's story and then talking about myohealth. So myohealth, that's the amino acids. That's what helps build muscle, helps fight against atrophy, helps just general quality of life as you're getting older works against some of the the negative things that can happen and if you're working out greatly enhances things so first week we introduced no palliative chronic inflammation number one threat to humanity doctors have said worldwide and then secondly nitric oxide that's energizing getting the blood flow oxygen flow better and then myohealth the amino acids so these are the three that i've been using if i seem a little pumped these days it's just adding to my healthy lifestyle I'm blessed and I want you to share in that blessing, but make sure you use the special code, right? So you can get the maximum discounts when you call in 800-811-9626-28, excuse me. Uh, just say that Dr. Brown sent you or go to Trivita.com, use the code Brown40. All right, let us go to Jim in Chicago. Thanks for being patient and hanging in there. Welcome to the line of fire. Oh, thank you, Dr. Brown. Appreciate the time you spent with Barbara. So John twenty twenty two, is yep. kind of a multifaceted question, but it just says, and then he breathed on them and said, receive you the Holy Spirit. So this is my question. The Acts, they had the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Prior to this, he gave them power to cast out demons, so that had to be through the Holy Spirit. And then how does that work with the Holy Spirit in the, the Old Testament? Answer as much of it as you can or want to. Yeah. So number one, the endowment, say, in, in Luke 9, 1 with the 12, Matthew 10, 1 with the 12, Mark 6, 12 with the 12 or, uh, or with the 70, Luke 10, 1. The, the impartation there, the endowment to drive out demons, heal the sick, seems to be something that was temporary as opposed to a permanent endowment. That's the first thing. Second thing we know that as Jesus speaks to his disciples in John 14, 15, 16 about the coming Holy Spirit, that he's with you, but he will be in you. Right? So he, the Holy Spirit was not yet indwelling the the believers so the the spirit would come upon the old testament prophets but did not indwell them the way we are indwelt so there there are really two main ways that you could understand john twenty twenty two. in my view one is at that moment they received the indwelling spirit when jesus spoke that to them something happened at that moment that changed their relationship with god uh, because now it, it, it is, you know, post-resurrection, right? The okay, other view is. is that he was speaking it in anticipation. This was a prophetic act in anticipation of the Holy Spirit coming some days later at Pentecost. Those are the only mm -hmm. two things that make sense. One, they genuinely received something then at that moment, which would have been the indwelling of the spirits. That happens to every believer at new birth. We're indwelt by, by the Spirit, and our bodies become the temple of the Holy Spirit. And then subsequent, the empowerment that came at Pentecost. So it's, it's one of those two views, either that or he, he did it as a prophetic act, 
and then it was in anticipation of what would come at Pentecost. I don't see a viable view other than those two. I totally got what you're saying. When the Holy Spirit came upon people, though, prior to that, didn't it still enable them to live for God, or, or what do you think of that? Uh, well, it, it, was more, it was more to do acts of power. In, in other words, just like the Holy Spirit coming on the apostles and, and the believers in Acts 2 was, was for signs and wonders and miracles, not so much for sanctification. It gave them boldness to preach and enable them to perform signs and wonders. So the Holy Spirit coming on someone in the Old Testament, they could fight battles like Samson supernaturally, or they could prophesy, etc. So... There were no sanctified people, though, Dr. Brown? I'm just trying to understand it. So you're thinking there, there weren't Well, not sanctified. in every case. Samson wasn't, right? It right. Was, no, but, it, but like in some cases, you know, like where Jesus told Nathaniel, behold an Israelite in whom there is no guile. I oh, just yeah. always took that to mean, hey. No, the, the Holy Spirit was, was working in lives to sanctify people. Oh, through, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, great. So the Holy Spirit okay, was always at work to draw people to God uh, and, and to help people overcome sin etc. So the spirit was at work, otherwise we couldn't do it, right? But we have now received something greater than before. Yeah, great questions. I, I love the precision here. Thank you very much. All right, uh, let us go to Mickey in Portland, Oregon. Thanks for holding. Welcome to the line of fire. Hey, Dr. Brown. Hey. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. This is Nikki calling. Shout out to the chat before I... Um say anything, but um, thank you for taking my call. I have a question about theology for you. Yeah. Okay, so um, I don't know if it's a, a type of Arianism, um, but what I'm running into are people who um, really do, they love Jesus, they read the scriptures, but they're coming up with this idea that they're, that the Holy Spirit isn't the third person of the Trinity. Mm-hmm. So my question to you is, like, how how to um, understand this. Would you say, like, in one extreme, would you say that's heresy and so they're not a Christian, or would you say, and give them grace, saying, well, maybe their their understanding and their teaching is just wrong? And then how do we address this with them? Right. So first, when we talk about Arianism, that has to do with belief in Jesus not being eternal deity, that he was a created being. So it's, it's not about the Holy Spirit as much as it's about the person of Jesus. But uh, what I would first say is God is the judge of individuals. I don't see anywhere in Scripture that says I must fully understand the person of the Holy Spirit in order to be saved, right? So if, if someone just had, they, they couldn't put together in their minds the, the idea of God's triunity, but they absolutely believed in Jesus as he is, the eternal deity, and took on human flesh and died for our sins and rose from the dead. You know, that's the key thing that's, that's going to save someone, not a full and proper understanding of the Holy Spirit. So if they genuinely seem to be born again, esteem the word of God, have right views about Jesus, then I, I would not be as concerned with their views about the Holy Spirit. However... I, I would press in because it's important we understand the full nature of God. I would ask them to read through John 14, 15, 16 with you, right? And say, okay, is this talking about someone distinct from the Father and the Son? Does the Father send the Son and the Son sends the Spirit? 
and the Spirit testifies about the Son, and the Son glorifies the Father. Isn't that Father, Son, and Spirit? I would, so that's John 14, 15, 16. I would take them to 2 Corinthians 13, 14, where Paul yeah. invokes the love of God, the grace of the Lord Jesus, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, right? I would ask him, yeah. are we fellowshipping with a being, or is it just like the wind? I, I, would, I would look at the gifts of the Spirit, which are the manifestations of the Spirit in 1 Corinthians 12. They include words of wisdom and knowledge. I would point to Acts 5, when Ananias and Sapphira are told by Peter they didn't lie to, to man but to God, and they lied to the Holy Spirit. I'd ask him, you know, who are you lying to unless this is divine being? So uh, I, I would just, you know, press those different things. Hebrews 9 references the eternal spirit. Only God is eternal. So I would just press those scriptures and, yeah, and, and say, what's the good. conclusion? And then how do you baptize people? According to Matthew 28, 19, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Right. It's just foundational there. What is that saying? Or is that not speaking of one God? There's only one God, period, end of subject, according to Scripture. Only one true God, and he is Father, Son, and Spirit. You know, even at the baptism of Jesus, uh, especially as, as opened up in, in Luke 3 and Matthew 3, mm -hmm. that the Holy Spirit comes on him in the form of a dove, and the Father speaks, this is my Son whom I love, Right? So you have Father, Son, and Spirit even right there all actively doing things. But go through those scriptures if you, um, uh, if you missed any, if you didn't write everything down, you know, just go back. You're on YouTube. Just go back and uh, watch the end of this, and you can jot all these verses down. Those are the principal verses I would use, uh, you know, even uh, end of Ephesians 4. Don't grieve the Spirit. We're not talking about a personal being. How can we grieve him? How can we lie to him? How can we have fellowship with him? How can he have wisdom, knowledge, Old Testament? He teaches Israel and things like that. It's all speaking yeah. of, 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 a, of a being, yet there's only one God. Again, Father, Son, and Spirit. So hopefully that can help you help your friends, all right? Yeah, thank you so much. Hey, good luck with your um, debates. I'll be praying for you. Those are some serious, heavy-duty debates, so... Yeah, that gives at, you, um, protect your mind and give you rest. And thank, thank you for you. everything that you do. All right. Thank, thank you, you so much. All right. Hey, we are, we are out of time. I wish, well, I'll tell you what, let me just, Sandy in Jamestown, if you could just throw out your question real quick, maybe I can answer real quick. Okay. Hey, thank you for taking my call. Um, my question is about the appeal to heaven flag. And I just like your insight on that. And my question is, is it associated with some type of ideology or theology that would do harm to a believer's Christian witness if they display it. Okay, so the, uh, an early flag in American history and a flag that would be God-oriented. If you're saying, I believe that there are some important Christian roots in America and we are appealing to God to have mercy on us and to help restore those roots, that's one thing. If you're saying that America has a promised destiny to be a Christian nation, and I'm praying for that, that to me is overstepping things because I don't believe that there is a nation on the earth other than Israel with whom God himself made a specific covenant. That could potentially tie into Christian nationalism. 
in, a, in an unhealthy sense of the word. So you have to sort out on the witness end what it conveys and what you're actually praying using that flag. All right, God bless. Great being with you.